Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. It is so good to be with you, each and every one of you. If you are maybe visiting for the first time, a new face in the room, my name is Greg, uh, Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church, and it is uh, Sunday game one, uh, first Sunday game of the Chiefs uh, season. And so I hope that you're watching uh, along with us. Uh, my family will be watching. We're having a little, some people over repping the Chiefs today, but I'm, I'm excited. Uh, this is the first Sunday and uh, you can tell some people are like, I got to get my house ready. Um, but if you're watching us, I saw a lot of our Glory family online. It is so good to have you on Facebook Live. Um, with that, the possibility of us being able to do this is amazing being both in person and uh, on Facebook. So thank you so much. We are a church that is more than just Sunday. If you are visiting us on a Sunday or you're here every Sunday, uh, hopefully by now you've learned that our vision, our reason for being here is that we see a city changed by homes that are changed. In fact, if I'm faking it up here, <laughs> it is worthless, right? If, if we just learn a whole lot of good stuff on Sunday, yet it doesn't change anything in our home or our city or our, our, our schools or our our, uh, jobs, then it's for nothing. And so my hope is that you have something to take with you. Uh, this morning, we are ending right, right now a, a series over the, uh, the Beatitudes in Scripture. And please rest assured, you do not have to know anything about the past few Beatitudes to sit with us this morning. Uh, these are some statements. And uh, if you've been with us, my hope is that you've been stretched and challenged. I mean, I have cried more than I've cried ever because of, of reading the blessed are those who mourn and God just dealt with me. Some of you, uh, you, you solidified that you have been made pure by Jesus's blood. As others of you, maybe uh, you've learned what it means to be poor in the spirit like never before. Others of you have stepped up and chosen to be peacemakers. And this morning we are concluding it and closing and calling it a series. Um, and I'm really excited. It's been eight weeks long, and every single week, we dive into one statement. And it's a statement that Jesus speaks, and they're the back-to-back statements, but this morning, uh, I'm I'm pretty excited to end it with you. Um, But before we get into this morning's Beatitudes, plural, you'll see we're we're teaming up number eight and nine. Before we get into it, I sort of want to cast vision onto what is coming next. Because if you've been with us at all uh, at Glory Church, you know that once one series, sermon series ends, another one begins. And next week, we're starting a new series over the season of waiting. The the season of waiting. And I don't know about you, but I have um, been in some nasty seasons of waiting. Life is full of seasons. Seasons of ups and downs, of new beginnings of endings, of seasons of sorrow, seasons of loss, seasons that just feels victorious, seasons where you're just grinding and working and working, and then there's those nasty in-betweens where you pray something and it feels like God is absent. Vol- like his, his volume on, on, the, on his side of things are just off and it's just silent. Uh, you just feel like things are monotonous and boring, that it's just stuck in the weight. 
I will tell you that more often than not, we get there and we are so impatient. So for five weeks, we're diving into scripture. What do we have to learn in the wait? How are we, how can we lean in the wait? Uh, maybe when God is silent, maybe that's just our perception of things. Maybe he's working in the unseen. And so we're going to be diving into scripture in five weeks. And I invite you to be with us each and every week. If you're here in the city, will you do me the honor of joining us? I mean, I, I believe God has something to teach our church in a season of waiting season of waiting, when you're stuck between promises in your mind, or stuck between uh, a prayer and the answer of it, or stuck between hoping and praying that that problem in your life would end, yet it's still there. You're waiting. We all find ourselves there. In fact, if you also do me honor, underneath every one of your chairs are some inviter cards. And this is a great way, a new season, a new series to invite friends in. Maybe you have family members who've been in a season of waiting for far too long. And maybe they've turned away from God because they felt he's been silent. And maybe they haven't leaned into the wait. And so this could be a really powerful opportunity for you to bring someone in. But this morning... As we conclude it, uh, the last two Beatitudes sort of go hand in hand. Jesus knew what he was doing in ending this whole uh, little section of blessed are those in this way. In fact, in order to dive into it, we're going to have to go back, retract. So do you remember last week when we said blessed are the peacemakers? Do y'all remember that? We talked about being a peacemaker. If you didn't, it's okay. If you weren't with us at all, it's all right. Uh, You can listen in on the podcast. But last week, those of you who were in the room, you got to hear my poor attempt at an English accent. I know it was amazing. Uh, I'm not going to embarrass myself today, but uh, in this metaphor, I talked about the difference between uh, British cooking shows and American cooking shows. And in that section of being a peacemaker, we, we said this, that peacemakers bring the right ingredients into a situation. Do you remember that? I say all of this because this is going to set the tone. Jesus knew what he was doing and saying, blessed are the peacemakers, the people who are going to bring the right ingredients into a situation. And so we are literally people who can change the room by bringing in something the world can never bring in. Peace, love, life, hope transformation, uh, joy. And so as we do that, uh, things tend to happen. Another way that we said this over the past year of Glory Church's history is this whole idea of being a contributor versus a consumer. Do do y'all remember that? And one of our core values uh, is that as people of God, we are to uh, constantly move from consuming life to being a contributor in it. I mean, think of all the things that our American culture tells us to consume. Uh, even in here, you can come in, consume some good coffee, sit back, consume uh, hopefully a good message, consume uh, some good relationships, yet miss out on your calling because your calling is found when we contribute. And so we're always called as peacemakers to contribute. I say all of this because something nasty happens when we contribute. Have you ever felt like this, that when you contribute to something, when you, we contribute to the kingdom, the work of the kingdom, we will always experience backlash. We will always experience backlash when we, when we add in. And think about it this way. You start contributing your voice into a group project, there's always going to be that person, right? There's always going to be that person who hears your contribution and would rather you not talk, right? When we start contributing into things, there's always going to be backlash. When you start calling into your calling and you start creating in it, someone's going to call your baby ugly, right? I remember when I, it happens. I remember when I, when I first wrote a book and I was expecting everyone who knew me to buy it because they know me, but it ended up being people who didn't know me who would buy it. And it just felt like everyone was calling my baby ugly because when we start contributing into things, it allows backlash to happen. 
right? When you start aiding your hand, there's going to be the person that smacks your hand away. When you start contributing and changing your lifestyle, there's going to be the friends who weren't ready for you to change your lifestyle. They don't like that style of clothing. They don't like that. And so to an eager crowd, to an eager crowd, Jesus looks at all of them. I mean, maybe the disciples are ready. All right, I'm ready to be a peacemaker. I'm ready to follow you, Jesus. And to every single one of them, He says this in verse 10. If you go to that slide, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom. In other words, blessed are those who are persecuted for contributing. The moment that you start contributing, blessed are those who are persecuted for it. Uh, Blessed are you, Jesus says, when people insult you. When people persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And he continues saying, rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they also persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, peacemakers, uh, those who contribute, believers, there's a natural, it's inevitable for persecution to happen. Once you contribute to something, there's always going to be that ugly duckling who just wants to make a mess of it. Always. Persecution is inevitable for the contributor. But notice, Jesus, if you go back to that slide before, uh, Jesus says seemingly the same beatitude twice. And though we can say it's because he just wants us to know that persecution is just going to happen, I think he actually is separating something. You see, there's this blanket persecution uh, from the more specific insults of people. In fact, the word persecution just means affliction. The word persecution means to be followed or to be hunted. It means affliction. Have you ever been afflicted? So there's, there's this uh, more uh, overarching, when you do good, bad things are just going to happen. Because when you do good, you're going against the grain. And then the whole, you start following Jesus and people are going to insult you. There's two very different things, and I think I want to dive in on it. Because some of you need to f- be okay Maybe we need to normalize that you are in a season of affliction and you just haven't used those words, but maybe you've been mad at God. Really what he speaks to us is blessed are you because you're contributing. And when you contribute, persecution is inevitable. When you start contributing, there's going to be affliction and it's going to be from just a season of it. Just you're like, no one, no, not one specific person has been hurting me, but this has just been a hard place. It's because you're contributing. Or some of you, it's no, <laughs> like never before, these people have spoken up and, and like never before, it seems like everyone is against me. Have you ever felt like that? Jesus knew what he was doing. And so this morning, I sort of want to dive into why bad things happen to God's people, right? Have you ever felt like that? God, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to deal with this. I'm finally dealing with my depression. God, I'm finally dealing with this. Like I'm finally praying. Why are these bad things happening? And so as we get into this, we're separating the two Beatitudes because I think he wants us to. He said them separately for a reason. And so for the first one, you want to know why Jesus says, blessed are you when you're persecuted for pursuing righteousness? It's because of this, if you're taking notes. The process of righteousness will always seem to get worse before it gets better. Now, I want you to just like let that sink in because the process of righteousness is both practical and seen throughout scripture that when we start moving forward, uh, things are going to happen against us. I mean, hopefully I'm in the right place when I say, have you ever felt like this? Hey, God, 
I'm finally realizing my selfishness. Why has it been so hard to be not selfish? Or God, I'm finally realizing and handing over my anger. Why do I keep getting angry? Like, God, I finally handed this to you. Why is it now turning over? It feels like it's getting worse. God, I finally got back in the habit of of going to church, worshiping with God's people. Why is my life going like this? Why do these things keep happening? God, I finally handed this over to you. Why is this happening? I mean, I've been there so many times. God, I trusted you with this. Why is this now so much a bigger deal than I thought it was? Why is it affliction? Why is it hurting? And so I think we got to realize that the moment you go 180, some of you, it was with your prayer life. Some of you, maybe you've started confessing some things. Some of you, it's, I want to deal with this in my marriage. The moment you turn a 180, we got to realize that we begin going against the grain of everything we used to do. And the moment we pursue the path of righteousness, we are going against our old self. And that's afflicting. That, that is hurtful. That's painful. Blessed are you when you're persecuted, when you feel the affliction of going the right way. Because it's going to happen. If you're taking notes, write this. Affliction follows those who follow righteousness. Another way that we can say this is how many of you have ever, not, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you ever hurt yourself really bad? Some of you are just the bone breakers. You have broken so many bones in your body. Uh, some of you, like I always get cut with glass. I don't know why, but it always happens. If there's glass somewhere broken, it's going to cut me. Um, we had a break in and I got a huge gash because of it. Uh, others of you, maybe you're, you just keep getting burned. And ever, have you ever had like a pizza burn? There's something about the process of healing. Some of you are like, mm, yeah, you pull that pizza out, it's going to burn you, and it's always in the worst spot. Have you noticed that the process of healing, it seems to get worse before it gets better? The burns ooze, you're like the, your gashes ooze, right? You're like, can you say that? Yeah, they ooze. Your broken bone, once it gets set, like it, your whole body turns purple, you don't realize, but you're having to overcompensate for the brokenness, and then your other side of your body that wasn't hurt starts being sore. It feels like it just gets worse. The natural order to healing is always pain to more pain to more pain to enduring pain that never seems to end, and then finally, it's good. Right, and this is the process of healing, but we have to realize that the same thing happens as we pursue the process of becoming righteous. Our whole self is being healed, and things are just going to change and take time. In fact, I think about it, when, when you have a cut, every, all your inner faculties, all the white blood cells are rushing. Everything has changed inside of you to now focus on healing. Everything. It has changed the direction of everything inside of you to now deal with the healing. And it's also funny to watch because then it changes everything that you do. If you, if you had to, uh, if you broke a leg, now everything is different. It makes everything that used to be easy now hard. Normal things that were once easy are now hard. Are now hard. I have the friends who broke their arm in college, and I just made fun of them because they had to bag it, stick it out of the, the shower. While, like, showering is hard. Walking becomes hard. Things that should be easy are now hard. If you've ever been there in that process of healing, every bit of it feels more afflicting than you would have ever thought possible. And we have to realize the same thing happens. Some of you, you've asked God to heal aspects of your heart, but you didn't realize that once you do that, all of yourself is now focused 
and you have to change the direction of everything. You have to start just like caring for your arm, which you never had to care for like that before. You have to start caring for things you've never cared about. You have to stop and not go when other people are going because now there's a new direction, right? You have to care for things you've never cared about before. Now you're trying to watch what your mouth says. Now you're trying to live differently. And as we do that, every bit of it is harder than we thought. It's affliction. And when Jesus speaks this, blessed are you, it's because as you heal, it is worth it. He says, for yours is the kingdom. You remember that time in scripture, in 2 Corinthians, where Paul says, like, I have this thorn in my flesh. Paul was a man who understood this. He had a complete 180 degree turn. And I bet there was so many things that we don't get. I wish I could just talk to Paul because I'm sure there's so many things that had to be reconciled in Paul's mind of what he once did. And his old self was always probably right there trying to come back. His old desires, his old way of handling things. I mean, when there's a problem, Paul took charge. Now he has to wait for God to. Can you feel like how afflicting that would be for someone who used to just be in charge? Now he has to let God do it. And that's impatience is is rising. It feels more afflicting than just handling it on your own. But he does this and there's this beautiful time where he says, I've had the thorn in my flesh. In other words, this affliction from my past, like from my affliction from my old life. And I've had this thorn in my flesh and three times I prayed that God would take it away. And he responds with this in 2 Corinthians. God says, my grace is sufficient, right? We know this. My grace, can you put that up? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. We have to realize, especially when we are going against the grain on the process to healing, to let God's grace be his grace. Let it be enough. Let it be enough. Now, notice that doesn't say, hey, your thorn's going to go away. No, it says in your weakness, I'm going to make it okay. That you can be afflicted, yet still be my child. You can be afflicted, yet still have the kingdom, Jesus says. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, for yours is the kingdom, he says. My grace is enough. And so before we head on over to the other persecution, there's some of you in the room who've maybe stopped pushing forward in your faith because you weren't ready for so much heaviness to come. Have you ever tried to deal with some addictions of the past and it seems like it's worse when you deal with them? Some of you just need to keep going. My grace is sufficient, Jesus would say. Yours is the kingdom. Keep going. We have to normalize our affliction because affliction is a normal part of healing, right? Sometimes when it's hard, we press in more. It's hard because we've contributed. And when you contribute, nothing about your old self likes that. Nothing about your old self wants you to work on your marriage, wants you to open up and be vulnerable. But blessed are you who is persecuted for pursuing righteousness. And there's a whole other one, right? Some of you need to sit in that and say, it's okay for me to feel this way, for me to feel afflicted because like God, you're at work in it. So I'm gonna trust that your grace is enough, but I need to hear this other one because sometimes I let people's insults Some of you are just like me. You let people's words, you let people's opinions or fears of what they will do prohibit us from doing anything. We get crippled by their thoughts. And so to the same people, Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you. Because just like a persecution season of affliction happens, we also have people who do it. And one main reason why, and I want you to understand this because I think we need to, 
is people persecute God's people because what we bring is polarizing. What we bring is polarizing. Think about it. The values that you have, the thoughts that you now think, what what you bring into an area, it's going to be polarizing. People are going to swing one direction, and they're also going to swing the other direction. What you bring into a room is polarizing. And some of you who are more the peaceful people who don't want to bring conflict, you struggle with speaking up and actually contributing. Because you know what you bring It's polarizing, but we've got to keep doing it. Think about this. If we ask the question, which is what we talked about last week, peacemakers ask this question, hey God, what needs to be brought in here? As we start asking that, I believe God is going to start telling you, all right, maybe in your workplace, you need to bring more integrity. Maybe in your workplace, you need to be the person who, who is present and, and, and is genuine. Or maybe in your marriage, you need to start bringing prayer. What needs to be brought in here, it's conversations with me together. Whatever you do, you start contributing. The moment you do that, whew, people can make decisions that are outside of you. Think about this. Sometimes people will respond to what you contribute with a confusion. And that confusion, and many times this has happened, will lead them to questions right? How can they have joy in the place they are? And their confusion has led them to questions. And then beautifully so, sometimes those questions lead them to salvation. And that's why we keep doing it, right? That's why we contribute. But the same thing also happens on the opposite side. When uh, you start contributing, it's going to make people confused. And their confusion isn't going to lead them to questions. It's going to lead them to annoyance. And their annoyance is going to lead them to hostility or defensiveness. And it just happens. And it's because the world, we have to realize when things are unknown, safety is putting up the walls. When things are unknown, safety is putting up the arms. And so I've had so many times where I've tried to love, but I've received this. And it's not because we aren't loving, but it's because the confusion has led to defense mechanisms. But I also have the beautiful stories where it's led to questions. And so we keep doing it. We keep moving forward. This is the same thing. They hate us because they hate hate Jesus, right? And I think we can all agree that the persecution that we experience as American believers is like very tame in regard to the world, but it's still real. I remember the first time when I got persecuted because I wouldn't talk about certain things in the locker room. I remember getting made fun of as a, as a high schooler for what I wouldn't do or hadn't done with a girl. I remember the time, all the guys in the room are here with me in this. I remember the time when Christianity uh, was labeled as more feminine than masculine. And then I therefore wasn't masculine enough to be with other guys because I believed a feminine gospel, right? Like, or a white gospel or whatever it is, people's perception and they will persecute. People will throw the insults. And I remember so many times of struggling, relationships being walled up, people labeling me as dumb or uneducated, right? Small-minded. And some of you have been there. Maybe the, uh, the ladder of success in your job has been dramatically affected because everyone sees you as someone who won't cut corners when that's what they want. And you, you pursue integrity, but it's just not at work in your job. Uh, others of you, you have seen and you've been the butt of conversations in your family. You're the only believer. And so they get awkward and they don't realize that when you say you love them, you actually do, but they still think that it's with an angle. And so they will put up walls and defenses. I realize it's heavy. It's hard. Some of you, you've lost relationships because of it. Some of you, you've been called 
small-minded, have a small perception, and people have put up walls and persecuted you. It's real, and I'm sorry, but affliction is real. And so as we dive into this a little bit more, I think we, we need to realize what Jesus speaks right after this. I don't know if you've ever read Matthew 5, uh, all of it, but right after the Beatitudes, he starts saying one of the most well-known metaphors ever. He says, my believers, you are salt and light. Do you remember that? It's literally right after this. You are the salt of the earth and salt doesn't lose its taste. You are the light of the world and a light like it's not to be hidden. This is right afterwards. And if you think about it, these, these things are pretty polarizing. Some people really like their salt. Other people really don't. Like light, you cannot have just a little bit of light. Once light enters a room, darkness vanishes. It's polarizing. And we have to realize as we press into this, Many of the times, it's because what you bring into them, the, the peace that you bring, the love that you bring, the, the, the open mind that you actually have, that you bring to them, it's a foreign taste to their mouth. Have you ever tasted something that was foreign to your norm and you, you tried to hide it, but you spit it out? You know you did. You spit it out because it was just plain bad. I remember the first time I had catfish. I'm sorry, I just don't like it. And I remember the first time it was just, right? Like I just, it's bad taste in my mouth and it's going out. We have to realize that we have a bad taste in the mouth of the world and they will just spit it out. But can I tell you, when that happens, the moment the insult happens, the moment that you see the walls go up in your family, the moment that you don't get the, uh, the, the, the paycheck that, that you thought you should because of all the work that you have done, the moment those things happen and the persecution is felt, watch your response. Because I have seen that as we press in and be present, as we keep blowing the mind of their expectations, we can quickly turn the annoyance that led to hostility back to the annoyance that has some questions because we won't let their, the, our salty taste and them spitting us out make us run away. We're still going to be present. We're still contributing. And as we press in, God works, but we're also light, right? I'll tell you, I used to really hate my light in this part. I used to get made fun of uh, in high school for being the goody-goody kid. I used to get made fun of and people would overlook and put on expectations. When I was first a youth pastor, I would walk into a room and there would be some students who would just be like, <gasps> and they would instantly go like quiet down. And I'm like, what, what did I do? But our light, people have expectations on it. What we bring, our joy, it has a whole past of expectations that have lined up on how they're going to categorize how you'll act and they will respond accordingly. Now I've had to make fun of it. You know, I've had to realize that this is just how it is. Uh, some of you know this, but when we first moved into our house, uh, our neighbors took my friendliness and kindness as an angle that I was a cop. And for the longest time, they thought I was a cop, guys. Like this undercover cop there. And they're just, every time I was kind to them, they were just like, hmm, but what do you really want? And I'm like, I, I'm just how was your day? Like, that's what I asked. Not like, what did you do? Where were you at? Uh, so we have to realize that people will respond to your light with their understanding of the dark, right? And it doesn't make any sense. And, and it doesn't make sense to us, but we have to give compassion and keep pressing forward. I had to realize that when I shine light into a room, by love or by kindness or by being vulnerable or honest, it gives them a perception that they weren't ready for. 
And sometimes, you remember how peacemakers, we have compassion on the holes all around us and we want to bring completeness. Sometimes your light shines bright on some holes in their life that they weren't ready to deal with. Your integrity has shined out their lack of integrity and now they're questioning what they love because of it and they don't like that. Or your kindness is now shining a light on their lack of belief of humanity and you're, now, you're, you're challenging all of their perceptions. Your way that you love your spouse is now hitting on some holes in their life and they will wall up. I had to realize over time, that most of the time it's more their dislike of themselves. It is their dislike of us. Now, trust me when I say this, the caveat is if you were just a jerk, it's your fault. All right. If you Jesus juked them, no, they don't like you. All right. If you Facebook status them, if you tried to pull out the Bible in a wrong way, if you put, held them up to the the stage, the, uh, the stature of a Christian, then it's on you. They don't like you. But if you press in and are kind and loving and genuine it often shines holes in their life that they weren't ready to see. And their gut response won't be their response later. Not always. But we have to keep being present. And I say all of this because some of you need to be encouraged. That your season of persecution, blessed are you. Jesus says rejoice. And I think we have to realize that when we feel the most alone in it, we got to remember this path of righteousness. I'm not in alone. I'm not on it alone. I have to keep going because... Goodness, things are happening. And so can I just look at all of you, and I don't know some of you, but can I tell you that as you contribute, life does happen. In the ways that, that you have been contributing, making changes in your, in your relationships, your marriages, God has seen it and is honored by it. And yes, there will be backlash because it's inevitable, but it is worth it. Because for every confusion that has led to annoyance and hostility, there's also those beautiful times when your presence allows you to be able to answer the question, which might lead to salvation. And that is why we're here. That is why we're present. That it makes it all worth it. Have you ever been on the other side of the healing and realized that it was worth it? It was worth it to take the time because you're, you are strong again. It was worth it to take the time. It was worth it. And so as we sit in this, I just want to press and say, it's worth it your affliction. Let's normalize it. It's worth it. It's worth it. And so as we keep asking this question, I want to pose it again. What can I bring in here? If I wasn't afraid anymore, I mean, if I'm not going to stick with the luxury of, um, of comfort, am I going to stick with the luxury that American has of, uh, I mean, it's pretty easy as Christians to stick with light or to stick with the people who like the salt. But if I'm not going to do that and not going to be afraid what would you have me bring in here, God? What can I bring in here, God? And I, that's the question that we asked last week, but I think you need to realize that the more you contribute, the more you will be afflicted. But you just, we gotta do it. God, what can I bring in here? God, how can this be changed? God, what can I add in here? How can this be transformed? So as we end this morning, I'm gonna pray for us. God, as I look out into this room, I, I, I know for a fact that you are working. You have worked. Even in, in a room full of people that uh, don't know everyone around, one thing that I do know is that when we move forward closer to you, our old self hates every bit of it. So God, I just pray for peace. And I pray for uh, hope where maybe some have had just constant affliction. God, I pray that we will never allow the hardness of this walk to prohibit us from pressing on.
And God, I just pray right now that despite the mean words, the insults, despite what we're afraid of when we don't contribute or what we're afraid of would happen if we finally did say or speak our values, God, I pray that we will do it anyway. That we'll show up. Because without a doubt, we are called to. Your light was not meant to stay with the light. Light is meant to be shown in the dark. Where some people will flaunt to it because they love it and they want it. And others will run away. And regardless of what happens, we keep going. So God, I pray a blessing over this church as we feel affliction. Pray that we can constantly move from being a consumer to a contributor. Even in this church, God, you are calling us to contribute, to move away from just sitting down every Sunday and actually getting involved. So pray that as we do that, healing happens. And your grace, we felt the whole time. In your name, for your glory, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.